Thank you very much. Um, we're up really early, am I wrong? Everybody knows me, right? So how early are we going to be out of here tonight? Because I'm quick. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I looked at the clock. I was like, 7 o'clock. Anybody got plans? What time does the movie start? Because you'll be out in time. Praise the Lord. I can't see anybody, which is probably a really good thing. That way I don't get nervous. <clears throat> and I say that to everybody who's just starting their journey on this. You still get a little nervous. Just so you know. So today, happy Father's Day yeah. in Australia. Um, not in America. That's past. That was in June. Um, so I kind of forgot. And I was given free will tonight to preach on what I wanted to preach on. There was a time frame in this ministry where we were given topics. And I struggled with topics. I struggled with, am I going to be able to stick to this? I'm such an individual. And now when Pastor Ben doesn't give me a topic, I freak out. <laughs> so <clears throat> tonight is completely my fault. Completely. But because it's Father's Day, I want to share with you literally the worst Father's Day joke I have ever heard because I heard it today from one of our own, Ralph Hutchins, on his way in. Prepare your collective groans for this. I said, good morning. You know me. Welcome home. Good morning. He's like, that's what we need. More nings. More, more, and more nings. Yeah, it took me a minute, too. Mornings, more, N-I-N-G-S. That is literally the worst Father's Day joke I have. What is a ning? It was horrible. It was horrible. Ralph Hutchins is his name. He'll be here next Sunday. You can take it up with him. But I figured if I had to process that and it kept coming up all day long in my head, you now get that as well. So happy Father's Day. I gave you the worst Father's Day joke ever. All right. <clears throat> so... I got two weeks' notice for this, and I'm also not used to, excuse me, allergies. I know, COVID, don't use this table again, ever. Um, I got two weeks' notice on this. Um, I don't do well with a lot of notice, because I can write 10 sermons in that time frame from freaking out. So I ignored it for a week, just ignore it. And um, the whole time, God kept saying creation to me, and I was like, seriously, you want me to talk about creation? Like, wow, okay, let's go back to the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1. Um, I do want to say on that note that I searched this whole church for an ESV Bible, and I didn't find one. And somebody please tell Ben, um, not Pastor Ben, because I am preaching with Pastor Ben's Bible right now. We should be highly anointed tonight. I mean, prophecy might even come forth. Like, let me just rub it a couple times. Um, but Sam, supposedly, Pastor Sam has quite a few ESV Bibles, and I rummaged his whole desk, and it's not there. So... I couldn't bring my King James. I figured that was highly inappropriate, that if we had to go back to creation, you didn't want to hear the thus, these, and thous as well. <clears throat> so we are going to speak about creation, but um, we're going to speak about us and what we were created for and how were we created. Um, and when I got that, I was like, well, you're going to kind of have to explain that to me first. <laughs> I mean, I get the fact that I was created to praise you because, you know, I'm Pentecostal. I got that one. Oh, the rocks will cry out for me. I know that. I got that. That's unlock. Well, what do you mean what were we created for? When you look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 28, with the amount of time I have, I could read the whole chapter to you, actually. No? Okay. I'll keep moving. In here, when God made things, he gave a command, a very direct command. And he said, in each one of them, let there be something. So in verse 3, he said, let there be light. And, of course, there was light. And when you move on down to any of them, now, Jacob, I gave him the whole 
verses, our wonderful words guy in the back, so he'll probably try to stay up with me, except he has no idea which verse I'm going to next. Because <laughs> I just want to make a point. I just want to make a point in the commands here. Are we still on verse 3? Or 1? So it was out form of void. Yes, we know that. But when you go to verse 3, the command here says, let there be. And he says that throughout in verse 14, let there be. Again, lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. And then he goes on down to verse 20, and he says, let the waters be with living creatures and birds that fly above the earth. And he kept just speaking things, letting things be, just let it be. But then something happened when he got down to verse 26. And God said, let us make. Vastly different than anything he said before that. Let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the air, over the livestock and all wild animals, over all cre creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So from this point on, when I refer to Adam, I'm referring to male and female. Adam meaning human. Adam meaning you. Okay? So for a moment, I want you to just focus that tonight there's a word for you. Tonight, you get to hear from God, not me, that there's something in this word that will ignite inside of you that you have a connection to something greater than we can fathom. Right now, we only know what we can know here in our earthly bodies, but there's going to come a time when we're no longer here that we'll see clearly. So we're connected in a way that nothing else on this earth is connected to God. There's a sense of climax in that creation account when it goes from a command verb of just let there be to a cohort, an organized type of command that suddenly says, let us make. That shift right there, how many times have you read by that? Assuming, of course, you are reading your word. How many times have you just read, just right by that? It, it should grab you, indicative of a change. Something shifted here. What's going to happen? Because he's not just saying, let things be anymore. And he also is not saying, after their own kind anymore. He suddenly said, let us. Who is us? Where did that come from? Let us make man in our image. The animals that came before us, Adam, humans, were created after their own kind. Sea creatures, beasts, creeping things on the ground. They are all made after their own kind, their type, and their species. But this was not, this distinction was not made with us. Humanity is uniquely introduced as created in the image and likeness of God. I spent a long time sitting with God going, what does that mean? What is the image of God? And it is way more than something spiritual. It is way more than something physical. In some way, humankind somehow is made after God's very likeness. And nothing else in creation got that. Nobody else was told they looked like anything. They took after their own kind. But we were made in the likeness of God. So there's three parts to this relationship. One, humanity and only humanity did he specify was male and female, 
given dominion over all the animals that came before him. We were the only ones that he said, I made male and female. We are uniquely, point two, uniquely made to be in fellowship and communication directly with God. This relationship with creation gives us a place of dominion and incorporates the rest of God's creation in a covenant with him. Like, it's not just like, whoop, whoop, here we are, nice earth, let's go. We are in a covenant relationship with him, unique to anything else he created. And point three, finally, Adam is designed as male and female with a deep and intimate unity with each other. Nobody else got that. They procreate, they go after their own kind and make more, but they don't get the relationship with each other that we get to have here. And I'm not just talking about marriage. I'm just talking about with each other. It was ordained and it was created to be. Look at the Godhead. How close are they? And you wonder why so much so we have so much division. Because what could we could do together if we were unified? Through these three relationships, we get to have a functional image of what the Godhead looks like in humankind. We're a reflection and a representation of him, and we're given preeminence in relationship with him over all creation. We're first. You don't have to race anybody. You don't have to beat anybody. We, we win. We are literally above anything else that God created, and you get that from the very first breath you take. You actually get it when he puts you in the womb. But when you come out and take your very first breath, you get preeminence on this earth. You are the twinkle of this man's eye. God. God's not a man. So what? What do we do with this? We literally come into this world with this gift of relationship and commonality with the creator of the universe. What do we do with it? And what can we do with it? In all the universe, he created us, we humans alone, to be able to make a conscious decision to impact this world. Everything else he created either gets up and grows, gets up and eats something else, and goes through its cycle of life. We get up and get to make a choice every day. How am I going to impact my environment? How am I going to impact my home, my job, my church? We are the only ones that get a choice every day. So let me ask you a question. If he builds it, if God builds it, will it grow? That's a stupid question, we think. So Psalms 127.1 says, unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. If we make decisions without involving him in it, is it purposed? Could be successful, but is it what God intended for us to do? Are we seeking, are we searching, hey, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Not just come to church on Sunday because it's coming to church on Sunday. Tell the Lord you want to hear something. I want to catch something through worship, through prayer, through offering. Through the, I want to hear something tonight that will change my week. Purpose that in here. Purpose that in your personal time when you're at home. But we get to do something with the creator of the universe because he made us to do it with him. So how do we do it and what does it look like? Intimacy. Intimacy with God is how we're going to do this. 
Intimacy also requires you to have a certain proximity to something in order to have it. Now stop for just one second and ask yourself, what is my proximity to God? If I could physically point to where God is in my life, could you point in here? Could you say he's right here by my side? James 4 and 8 tells us how we can fix that right now. Draw close to him, and he will draw close to you. Like many of the commands and promises that he gives, he tells us exactly what we need to do to make it happen. And in this one, he tells us, if you draw close to me, I'll draw close to you. And if God said it, he's going to do it. But listen, Jesus did not find himself in lonely places. He sought them out. Jesus intentionally sought alone time with God. And each and every time he did it, he did it to build himself up, to get rid of doubt, fear, weakness, and to build trust, wisdom, and to get direction. Now, if he needed to do it, most certainly we do. And if you remember well, there was a couple times Jesus got seriously irritated with the disciples because they messed with that personal time he wanted with God. Jesus was serious about an intimate and personal relationship, and he was God. So this is not a place that you go into guarded. You don't go in hiding things. I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous because God knows. But if you go in intentionally saying, I'm not going to discuss these things with him, he's not going to touch it either. You can't go in here and act like you're something that you're not. Spending time with him develops trust and unity. If you don't trust him fully and go to him openly, the lack of trust will prevent you from getting close. Sometimes we don't realize we have these trust issues until we're pressed. In a very broken moment, I was lamenting the loss of some future plans. I felt a silent, small tug as I was lamenting this, and God said, do you trust me? For me, that is a completely ridiculous question. I trust God implicitly. So I thought. And then he says to me, those were never my plans. Are you okay with my plans? I was not okay with anything other than the plans I had been making for many, many years. The utter simplicity and obvious disconnect I had with my way of being done and the idea that God was not taken by surprise shook me. In my head, I had built around these plans for many years. And the idea that this did not take God by surprise floored me. I mean, you knew this? Like you literally knew this was going to happen? Then I realized God is not running into a cosmic kitchen somewhere, whipping up a, a meal at the last minute to fix something. Oh, I wasn't ready for that. Let me whip this new creation thing up and fix this problem over here Judy's got. Obviously he knew. But to be completely transparent with you, I did not answer his question. And to be perfectly honest with you, I don't know if I have said, yes, I'm okay with your plan yet. I will, but I'm not going to lie to him. I'm not even going to try to say it in faith. I'll be okay with his plan when I'm okay. But it floored me. It floored me to realize no matter how bad it is, no matter how much I struggle, none of that shocked God. So intimacy with God doesn't prevent 
hard times or promise a cruisy life. We're promised tough times. You read that in the word. But what I'm saying is the God of the universe, he is prepared. And if you're in close proximity to him, you might just be able to walk out James 1, verse 2. Counting it all joy in the middle of your mess. I know it doesn't exactly say that, but count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Anybody else dislike that scripture? I did for years. I was like, count it all joy. Like, that is not possible. It was the equivalent of when I was a young believer of pray without ceasing. Like, that's impossible. I figured that one out. Figure that one out. But how do you count it all joy when you go through? Let me tell you, you will learn. You will face circumstances in your life where you're like, God, you're bigger than this. And it is bad. It's not little, it's huge. And then you realize that you can still have joy in the midst of the absolute worst situations of your life. And I can actually not just have to feel it, though, because that's unrealistic sometimes, but I sure, surely can count it all joy. Lord, you are good. Your mercy endures forever. Because when I'm going through this, I can't do it without you. That is the joy that I have that my God does not leave me. Now, remember, this is the same God that created you to be in unity with him. And this is the same God that put you over the entire creation. All right? You partner with this guy. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says, My plans are not your plans, nor are your ways my ways, said the Lord. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, my ways are higher than yours, and my plans are not your plans. So it might be really good if you check in with him every now and then and not just kind of turn around and be like, hey, are we good? Because I'm going. It's much better to be in the will of God and in the purpose and his plans and know that he's sitting there happy to be riding beside you, ready to go. But I want you to know that you were purposed and you were chosen, wanted, fashioned by the same creator that made the entire universe to have dominion over his creation, not to have dominion over each other, to be uniquely made in fellowship and communication with God and to have a deep and intimate unity with each other. I said that before, but I want to remind you again, that's what you're created for. But if you struggle in these areas, if you struggle with understanding what we were purposed for, we all need to check our proximity to God. If you're questioning any of this, where are you? We weren't made to simply try to survive and get by in this world. We were fashioned in a way to overcome, to be more than conquerors, to have dominion. That is fact. Whether we feel like it or not, we were made to be more than conquerors. What's more than a conqueror? The ruler of the land. You already own it. If you're going in and conquering things, you don't have it yet. If you're more than a conqueror, you've already got it. Period. Right? We were given dominion. Right? There are things we got to conquer and overcome in our lives because we're human. But we, according to the word of God, were made to rule already. When we're in a personal relationship with God, there's a peace that the world can't give. A love that no human can offer you. And a confidence that you deserve to have to walk with on this earth right now. That you should have. It requires work, though, like any relationship. There is a give and a take with God, not just a take 
We get out of this relationship with our creator far more than we could ever put into it. But if you invest in this relationship with God, I promise you he will meet you more than halfway. You remember the prodigal son? He went and prepared a massive feast for him. He gave away things to him that didn't belong to him. He restored him with more than what he left with. God will be happy to meet you anywhere. Draw nigh to him. If my hope is here and my fulfillment is here and I rely on earthly things to satisfy me, I will surely be disappointed. Period. And I'm going to keep saying that. Not full stop. I'm American. Sorry. Full stop. <laughs> here, here is temporary for all of this. All of us. Do not forget this. We're not here forever. It seems like it. March literally never ended. 2020. And all of a sudden it's Christmas. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. But we are here on earth temporarily. We're not here forever. We are going to live somewhere forever. Please choose wisely. Please choose wisely. But we are not here forever. But the impact that you can have because you're connected to God could last forever. Now in the sermon this morning, and if you haven't heard it, please listen to Pastor Ben's Father's Day sermon. Your impact can last forever, good or bad. And you need to make a choice on how you're going to be connected to that. Now don't confuse winning in the way the world calls winning. It's not wrapped up in a pretty box with a bow, all lined up with your little ducks in a row, financially, relationally, our appearances. It doesn't work that way. What we are is in a personal relationship with God. And we can walk it out because we have that peace and that love that no man can give. So at this moment, choose not to move forward without building a personal and intimate relationship with God. And it's never too late to begin. Never too late to have a positive impact. Moses was 80. You can start today. No matter what you're doing, remember this, because we like to use terms that talk about going backwards. No matter what you're doing, every single day, you are moving forward. You are aging. Another day, another hour, the clock is ticking. You are moving forward no matter what it is that you're doing. We like to use terms like, oh, he's going backwards. She's backsliding. Or old habits are popping up. Or the scripture even says that a dog will return to its vomit. These terms and ideas do not mean in any way, shape, form, or fashion that we get to go backwards and try again. It means that we're taking all that junk and stuff forward with us. If we're falling back into old habits and doing old things, we are moving forward with all that stuff. And it speaks directly to our proximity to God. Somewhere we started to drift. These old things and old ways only show up when that happens. So let's think for a minute. Ask yourself, what is my hope in? Where are my cares? Who holds me? Who knows me? Who never leaves me? Who never lies to me? Who is my safety? I'm not talking about a familiarity here or a dabbling in something. I'm talking full on, all in, immersion, Christ-centered pursuit of your relationship with God. Full knowledge with understanding that we are created to rule wisely over this creation and do so with committed and unified relationships with each other, all of us together. And we get to do that with the creator of the universe. 
So how can I be bold about this? How can I be sure about this? How can I be strong? Because you've got to know your word. Did you know that God called you the apple of his eye? Did you know that your name is written on his hand? Did you know when you get there, you got a whole new name? So if you don't like your name, there's hope. Start talking to him now. Do you know that no matter what my current circumstances are, good or bad, he has plans for me to prosper me, not to harm me, give me hope, a future, and for my future generations? Like the woman in Proverbs 31, how can I laugh at the fear of my future? Through diligent pursuit of intimacy with God that transforms my whole being, spirit, soul, body, and transformed by relationships here on earth. Paul said in Romans 12, 1, what we need to do to be transformed through the renewing of our mind. We have to do it through a committed and sacrificial relationship with God. And in Ephesians 5, Jesus said that he, in Ephesians 5, Paul said, Jesus cleanses the church through the washing of the water of the word. And then John in chapter 17 said, the word sets us apart. You cannot be in a relationship with God separate from the word of God, separate from the worship of God, and separate from prayer. This is how you build a relationship with God. Dr. Newberg, Dr. Leaf, Dr. Jennings, those names, have shown through years of neurological studies and brain scans that prayer, meditation, worship, and the word of God changes our brains, how it functions, and subsequently our mental and physical states. They have scans of what it looks like before and after we spend time with God. We are now proving what we know the word of God has told us all along. Spending time with him changes us. We become more like what we spend time with. All right, so I'm wrapping this up. <laughs> we were created, one, to have dominion over his creation, not each other. Take care of it. Use it wisely. But know that we are uniquely made and set above the rest of his creation. Two, uniquely able to be in fellowship and communication with God, our creator. We were literally created and made this way to do this. Let's tap into it. And to have a deep and intimate unity with each other. Let's not view each other with disdain. We need each other. Let's really tap into that. So how do we do that? Let's start out with developing an intimate and personal relationship with God. Carve out a little bit of time each day to spend with him. Read a verse, a chapter, a devotional. Try to think about it a couple times during the day. We literally walk around with a computer, locked to our hand, pocket, or purse. In here, our alarms, apps, podcasts, we have access to it as much as we have access to Instagram, FaceTime, Snapchat, and everything else. When your screen time comes up, look at what comes up on your screen time. Great way to tap into God. Shower time. Anybody, parent, mom, bathroom is the best place in the world if the door has a lock. Shower time for me still, after all my children are gone, is personal time with God. Driving in the car somewhere. Works much greater anywhere else but Alice because it's 11 minutes to anywhere in this town. But you can get a good solid 11 minutes in with God. Um, a walk. Walking the dog or just walking by yourself. Just before you fall asleep and when you very first wake up. It doesn't have to be 10 or 15 minutes. It can literally be one or two minutes. Have a couple with someone like-minded, and maybe they'll pray with you and listen to you. Reach out. But develop a routine in your life where you have quiet time with God, where you are listening, processing, and growing the same way Jesus did while he was here. You were created 
to be in union with the creator of the universe. You were set above everything else. You were the only thing that was made in his image. You are special. And you walk with that authority every day. Make a little bit more effort, and he will more than show up. Imagine the impact on your life and subsequently the impact that you can have here. Amen? Amen. You are valuable. You are important, and you are significant. When you wake up, when you go to work, when you leave here tonight, when you talk to family, you can have an impact. If you listen, you pray, you spend time with God, you can change your life and subsequently everybody around you. But you can't do that unless he is the head of your life. So tonight, first, I want to say to everybody here, if God is not the head of your life, if you have not believed for Jesus to be your savior, then tonight, tonight you need to do that so you can initiate that intimate relationship with God. We can't do it outside of that. Do you stand with me? And I'm going to pray. God, you are an awesome God, the true and living God. In you, we truly live, move, and have our being. I ask you tonight, Father God, if anybody is here that is not saved, that does not know you, or has been away for a long time, that tonight they recommit. And Lord God, that they say, you're the head of my life. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose again. And I believe and confess with my mouth that you are my Lord and Savior. If anybody feels like that in here tonight, please let us know afterwards so we can pray with you and speak with you about this great relationship. And for all of us, under the sound of my voice, from this moment forward, let us walk with the authority and the knowledge that we know that we were made in the literal image of God the Creator, that we were made and equipped to be more than conquerors. That no matter how tough the situations are, no matter how good even our life is going right now, we need you and we trust you. We cast our cares on you right now and we thank you, Lord God, for going before us and guarding our sides and our rear. We thank you that you're a banner over us, that you're the bomb in Gilead, that you are our hope. And I thank you, God, that you love us more infinitely and deeply than we could possibly imagine. Lord, help us to honor you in all that we do, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.